Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Real quick, turn to the book of Timothy. Let me get over here to it. I think I got it marked. I'm going to start a new series. I'm not going to get too deep into it tonight, but I'm going to just kind of kind of touch the surface of it. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Got it, gentlemen? Good. Verse 13, verse, excuse me, verse 14. It says, For these things I write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. This is Paul writing to his, his son in the gospel, Timothy. It says, But if I tarry long, that thou, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Let me read it in the Amplified. I like it in the Amplified. It says, if I am detained, you may know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and stay and the prop of support and of the truth. Now, we're going to go through some things as we teach this series about church, because church is changing, has changed, is changing, will continue to change. And we want to make sure we stay up with the flow of that which God is doing. You know, there's traditional church in which, you know, we have services uh, twice a week. I think we have a, you know, a, a communion service once a month, and then we have special meetings that we do, things like that. But traditionally, that's how most churches, you know, that's how most churches operate. That's, you know, they have uh, services, they uh, take offerings, they, uh, you know, they, uh, if, they're, if they don't believe in the new birth, then they somehow try to recruit membership into their church. If they believe in the new birth, then they try to get people saved. Try to get people to join their church, and so doing, churches grow. We live in a time, in what we call a post-charismatic time, in which church growth is either off the charts or it's stagnant, not happening at all. I heard of a church the other day that started a year ago, has over 4,000 members. And most churches like that have something very radical that they've changed. That everybody wants to go see, everybody wants to be a part of. Some of it I've, I've looked at over the years is... is, is of God, I, th- I thought, you know, it was a good idea. You know, it's working in their area, working in their, working for the people that are going there. Others are just absolutely ridiculous. Just, just you know, absolutely ridiculous. So you've got you've to really seek the Lord and, and, and find out exactly what God uh, has for the church. Now, Paul's telling Timothy, he says, look, you know, there is a standard of behavior in the house of God, a way that we conduct ourselves, a way that we operate, which begins at the top and works its way down. Now, One of the things that I did in about 20 years of traveling ministry is I spent a lot of time with pastors. And after all of those years, that's the last thing on planet Earth I ever wanted to do was pastor church. I mean, I just really, it was really very difficult for me to to stop what I was doing in field and, and actually obey God. And I thank God I did. It changed the dynamics of our ministry. We've, we, we reach a, a lot more people. We're more involved in world missions. But I watched pastors for all of those years go through things that I thought to myself, man, I mean, it's just crazy how, how uh, you know, what, 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 what people presuppose or pre-imagine uh, should go on in church, and it's, a, it's amazing how involved some people think they are when they're not. Now, a couple of things about church. First of all, churches 
are not democratic scripturally. Now let me say that again. Churches are not democratic scripturally. Now most traditional churches are very democratic. They, the, every member, if you're a, 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 an attending member, uh, what many of them label as a member in good standing, which be, would be a person that comes to church, uh, gives in the offering, uh, maybe even holds a position in the church of an usher, a greeter, uh, sings up on the platform, whatever it may be, but they're given a vote. Now, they have a board. Usually it's a board of anywhere from five to seven members. I've seen some churches that have two boards, have a governing board, and then they have an advisory board. Now, that board is what runs the church. That board decides who pastors, how they pastor. Amen. And that board, for the most part, literally controls the church, controls the, the flavor of the church, it controls the uh, uh, dynamic of the church. And many pastors in the United States today are not really pastors, they're just hirelings. That's what they are. They're hired by a board. Uh, many of them in the denominations that I'm familiar with, uh, they're given a two-year trial. Now, after that two years, they're given another two years. Then after those two years, they're given four years. Then after four years, then they, they usually suspend the vote after that eight-year period and allow them to go 10 to 12 years before they bring up another vote. Business meeting every year. Let's discuss all the different uh, 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 financials of the church. Uh, uh, you know, pretty, pretty much everybody knows everything that's going on. Now, that dynamic changed back in the mid-70s with a pastor named John Osteen. Now, Brother Osteen grew up pastoring in a denomination in which what I just described was how the church was run. He's got some great stories about board members and, and, and committees that tried to control him and how stubborn he was <laughs> when it came. I would have hated to try and control Brother Osteen, amen? But he said, what I did uh, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost is I read, read, read the Bible. He says, that's all you got to do is read the Bible. And so Brother Osteen literally pioneered what's called the independent church movement in which churches basically are run from the head down, the pastor being the under-shepherd to the Lord Jesus Christ, that pastor recognizing the true shepherd of the church who is Jesus and works in connection with the Lord Jesus Christ in pastoring the church. Truly, we'll, we'll show you all the different scriptures in the Word of God that, that talk about that, but truly they set the standard for the flavor and the movement of the church. Now, you say, well, how much power should that pastor have? Well, here's the thing. When it comes to responsibility in a church, it is only the pastoral ministry that will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. and answer for what that church does. That's scriptural also. We'll see that in a, here in one of the lessons that we teach. But any responsibility that you delegate, you better be sure that it runs in conjunction with the vision of what God's called that house to do. Because if you don't, then you're going to have trouble everywhere with everything that you do. So pastors truly, according to the Word of God, the Bible talks about them taking the oversight, and the purpose of the pastor is to feed the flock of God. And we'll show you some scriptures containing that. I don't want to get too deep in it tonight because we may want to see what's happening on the game. <laughs> I may want to. But I'm going to kind of give you a preview of coming attractions. So we'll show you in the Word of God where pastoral authority... Now, now, now when you go back traditionally, now there is a traditional pastor... That is what we talked about, involved with the, you know, the board hires, they bring in. Now, many times it's determined uh, whether they stay or not by how social they are. 
and how social they are is determined by how many hospital visits they make, you know, how many funerals they do, how many weddings they do, all of the different things. That Really, it's the teaching and preaching of the church is really kind of a side thing. It's really how much they do in interacting with the congregation in their visitation, hospital visitation, all that they do. And really, a lot of pastors that I saw in that predicament, the churches just basically worked them to death. They spent hours visiting hospitals, hours counseling, hours doing all this, all this extracurricular activity that they scripturally should not have to do. They should train the church to do it. Amen. Now, see, that's where a lot of people have problems. I mean, they want a preacher that's going to do all the work. They want to come on Sunday morning. They want three points in a poem to make them feel good about themselves. They want to be able to go home. And if anything needs to be done according to church work, that we, we hired us a preacher to do that. Well, that's not scriptural. That's why a lot of that doesn't work. There was a man that got the Holy Ghost, came over amongst the, the Word of Faith Pentecostal movement back in the mid-70s, had a very large church in Oklahoma City. And he said this, he said, I literally lived in the hospital. He said, I'd get up on Monday morning and I'd get my hospital visitation sheet for the week. He, he was in the uh, first, first Christian church, I think was he, what he was the pastor of. He says, I'd get the hospital visitation sheet for a week and it would be three pages long. You know, five different hospitals, three pages long. Well, his entire church was sick. They didn't believe in divine healing. Amen. They didn't believe in anything to do with the power of God, the anointing of God. Now, don't get me wrong. Lee and I make many hospital visitations. Anybody ever been to the hospital we came and saw you? See? We, we visit people in the hospital. But we also want to train you to visit people in the hospital. Our staff is trained to visit people in the hospital. Other people that are in ministry in church, in their own ministry, they visit people in the hospital. I'm not saying that none of this work is discounted. It has to be put in its proper place. Now, go to Ephesians real quick. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Let me show you something. Ephesians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul is showing us something here that is part of the structure of the church. For time's sake, let's just look at verse 11. It says, uh, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Now the problem with traditional church, now remember this, you're going to find three levels of church, three strata of church. You're going to find the traditional church. Everybody say traditional. Then you'll find the social church. Now the social church has grown tremendously. It's outgrown traditional and it's outgrown the Holy Ghost church or what I like to call the true church. You say, what is the social church? A social church is a church that'll go after large crowds for the purpose of gathering large crowds. And they'll compromise many times many of the doctrines of the Word of God. Some of the ones that I've read, the books that the pastors have written, and some of the, the, the uh, articles they've written over the years, I know one particular church grew to over 33,000 people, large church. But they, they never mention the name of Jesus. Uh, see here, their, their, their philosophy is this. We cannot offend anybody, and we cannot make anybody feel uncomfortable in a service. Now they would use the word Christ, but never Jesus. Because that, that, now, you know, that, that makes people uneasy. Never say anything about the Holy Ghost. Never mention anything about the blood. 
Because the blood, that's, that's controversial. The Holy Ghost is controversial. Never talk about money. Never take out up offerings. This particular pastor that I'm talking about, they had a, uh, what they called a donation box in the back of the church. And he said for 33,000 people, it was pretty weak. Because they struggled to keep the ministry going according to the giving of the church because they kind of hamstrung themselves because they never talked about giving. People did not know how to give. Now, the church was structured on the uh, extracurricular activities of the church. They had a Christian school. They had a, a, a 1 through 12 Christian school, very large school. They had a, uh, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of sports activities. They had, they had softball leagues. They had bowling leagues. They had, uh, you know, uh, uh, karate classes, just about everything you can think of, you know, connected to the church. So what it was is basically uh, somebody capturing the social uh, work of a social uh, activity of a community and bringing it into the church. But then failing in actually teaching, preaching, and, and telling people how they should be serving God. Now, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher. Now notice, uh, the Bible calls them gifts. Gifts. But here's the purpose. For the per perfecting of the saints, that word perfecting is the maturing. Everybody say maturing. maturing. Say, my pastor is helping to mature me. So that's, that's, that, that's what the five-fold ministry is given for, is for maturing. Everybody say maturing. It's for, for maturing of the saints. Now listen, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, saints mature for the work of the ministry. Do you see that in the Scripture? Saints mature for the work of the ministry. Which you got to realize every person in the body of Christ has a ministry. You have a ministry of reconciliation. You have a ministry within the church. And you have a ministry of whatever, uh, what I like to call a motivational gift that God gives you. You have a ministry within the confines of that motivational gift. Some people are servants. Some people are organizers. Some people are mercy, uh, mercy motivated. Some people are, are authoritative. There's all types of that. We'll study that as we go through this. But it is for every person to find their place in the body of Christ. Everybody needs to find their place. Everybody say, find your place. Find your place. Now, that's the greatest hindrance to the kingdom of darkness is the, is the correct structuring and implementation of the church. Now, let me say that again. The greatest threat to the kingdom of darkness is the correct structuring and implementation of the vision of the church. I mean, it's, it's a great threat to the devil. So he's going to fight it every way he can. You know, when Paul met with all of his protégés there in uh, 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 Acts chapter 20, he talked about wolves that would rise up, inward and outward of the church, devouring the church, not sparing anyone. Just going through the church. And, and, you know, they would come from the out, uh, outside and they would come uh, from the inside. Well, the reason it is, the reason that would happen is, is because that church or whatever it was back in that day was being successful in what they're doing. They're being, listen, they were being, uh, uh, God was using them and they were being effective in the work of the kingdom. Now, listen, when we started Island Church, because I, I was around some of these guys, you know, I mean, I was around men like Tommy Barnett. Uh, 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 the guy up in uh, uh, over in Oklahoma that had victory. Uh, what was his name? Billy Joe Daughtry. Uh, uh, and a few other pastors, Brother Osteen, uh, other people like that, that had this, this, this complicated, very intricate vision. I mean, you know, schools and education and this and that, where actually when I prayed about vision, God gave me a very simple vision. 
I guess he knew I'm much more simpler than guys like that. Those guys could handle that kind of stuff. But the Lord spoke to me and said, now, here's the vision of Island Church. This is your vision. He said, you're going to have people that are, come, that are going to come. You're going to have families. You're going to have individuals. You have people that are going to come. Now, everyone that comes is going to have a vision for their life. A vision to be healthy. Anybody have that vision? A vision to be blessed. Got that vision? A vision to have joy. A vision for purpose in the kingdom of God. Amen? So that, those, those visions, if you can help people fulfill their vision... They will come together, and they will produce the vision of the church. Now, don't get me wrong. We've got vision. We've got vision for, 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 uh, for, for missions. We've got vision for evangelism. We've got vision for a move of the Spirit, for a move of the Holy Ghost, for revival. We have vision like that, but implementation of the vision here is dependent upon you receiving from God and maturing in that which God has called you to do. Amen? Now, for just a moment. Talk about a moment, a few moments, pastoring, which, you know, I can kind of talk about from a different perspective than most pastors. Pastoring a church, let's just kind of revert back to, you know, before I started pastoring this church when I was in field ministry. What I had to deal with with many pastors. Now, these are pastors that were not only part of uh, uh, full gospel denominations, but they were also independent pastors. Was the continual, how can I say this? continual uh, pushback against them because everyone kind of figures they know something about the things of the kingdom and want things implemented their way. So therefore, you found a very transient, even in small towns, you found very transient congregations that would go from one place to the next, to the next, to the next. If, if something new started, they'd all empty out and go there. If something else new started, they'd all empty out and go there. And it was just so frustrating to, to the pastors because nobody was really cared about evangelism. Nobody really cared about missions. They were just all swapping members all the time. And it created in their minds a real, how can I say it, a real rejection mentality. You know, I've sat in offices where the pastors were weeping and say, you know, I've preached everything I know, done everything I know to do. But, they, you know, everybody that's here, they just want to come to church. They seem so apathetic. They seem so complacent. You know, you come. <laughs> this is the biggest complaint I used to get. You come and you preach the same thing I've been preaching for a year. You preach on it for four nights, and they act like they ain't never heard it. They're tearing the, they're tearing the walls down, screaming hallelujah, running the aisles, and everybody's saying, I've never heard anything like that before, and I've been teaching them the same thing for a year. <laughs> well, that can get frustrating, amen? And then, not only that, but the satanic attack that comes against the implementation of vision because the adversary knows that if you get that thing implemented, God's going to move. A church is going to get built. Something's going to get established that may even be generational because we're seeing that today where people have, uh, I know several men that have, that have pastored 30, 40 years and now are turning it over to their sons or their daughters and son-in-laws or people that have risen up in their ministry. Now you've got second, third generation pastors that are beginning to pastor now. So there's a th great threat against it. So people in the church do not realize what the pastor has to carry spiritually. That's why you have to pray for your pastor. 
That's why you have to pray for Leanna. Because you don't know the weight of... See, the adversary knows that the best way to stop a church is to affect the head. Amen? If you can affect or infect the head with something, then you can stop the church. But if you can infect the head, and if what's in the heads in Christ comes down through the under-shepherds and is transmitted into the church, then you're going to find a church that's healthy. Pastors will set the standard. You say, Pastor, you're always talking about, you know, us doing two things, giving and praying. That's because I give and I pray. I lead the congregation in giving. I lead the congregation in praying. I lead the congregation in evangelism. I lead the congregation in doing that. And listen, if you don't like that, then find somebody whose personality and implementation of vision fits you. So a lot of people don't understand that. I know a lot of I remember when there was a move, move of prayer that was going on in the late 80s into the early 90s, and I was in a prayer conference, and, and I heard one pastor, I, two of them were talking together, and one pastor who had a very successful church was telling another pastor, I never pray. I mean, I'll pray in church, or we'll pray for the sick, but as far as praying every day, I don't ever do that. Amen? I've had pastors ask me, how do you get people to pray? I said, you're going to have to pray yourself. How you get people to give? You're going to have to give yourself. You're going to have, everything you do as a minister will set the standard in the church in order for people to follow behind that and have what God is implementing and imparting to them. And then what God does is He calls people to churches like this in order to take and raise up and elevate the spiritual maturity of your life because He knows what's coming at you down the road. And listen, there's some people that just don't need a church like this. Amen. You know, I, I'll give you, I'll tell you a testimony. I, God, individual actually got saved in my ministry when I, was, when I was traveling. Came to this church for two or three years and really struggled. Then he left the church that he, that, that he got saved in uh, in a meeting that I was preaching and went to the most strictest, I mean, hardcore, strictest Pentecostal church you could find. I mean, they had every rule, every regulation, ever, ever. You, I mean, it was just, you couldn't do this, you couldn't do that, you couldn't go here, you couldn't go, you couldn't. And he went there. And I asked the pastor, I said, where's so-and-so calling by name? He said, well, he's going to such-and-such Pentecostal church now. And I said, really? And he says, it's the best thing that ever happened to him. That's what he said. He said, I'm telling you, it's the best. He said, well, he was here at this church. He said he struggled. He had a hard time. He, he, he never knew how to make his own rules or perimeters, so he's always getting in trouble, always doing it. He said he needed a structure like that in order to serve God. And he said, when he went, we just blessed him. He said, he comes back here to special meetings. He'll probably come be in one of your meetings. He'll probably do this, probably do that. He said, but I'm telling you, over there, he walks a straight line. Amen. Well, see, God knew that. So God got him in a place where there was enough rules and regulations to keep him in the straight and narrow. Amen. So you must understand that churches, the closest thing you'll ever have to a church is a family. Big family, small family, middle-sized family, doesn't matter. Churches are like families. Every family has a head. Every family has black sheep. I know, I was one. Probably still am. <laughs> Amen. But when it comes to pastors, the number one thing 
that Satan tries to do. Now, I watched this for over 20 years and have experienced it as a pastor. The number one thing Satan tries to do to pastors, and if you know this, you'll be on guard against it, is to villainize them. You say what? To make them, a t- make them into a villain. Make them into a villain. Were there, were, were, were there someone's, my problem is that pastor. My problem is that, I've had people tell me in my office, my problem is you. And I'm like, you got a pretty big problem because I'm the pastor of the church and I'm going to step down for you. Amen? That is a trick of your adversary to try to keep you from being matured and entering into the ministry that, you, that God's called you to be in. Now, let me say this and we'll close because uh, we'll uh, watch the game for a little while and then you can go home and watch it. There is a standard of love every Christian has to walk in. Amen? When it comes to ministry, there are two components that flavor or season a ministry, and that's called love and authority. Now, love and authority are unique characteristics in which our greatest example of them operating correctly is in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, we see a love on a level that we've never seen it since him because he was divine love in manifestation. The broken, the hurting, the, 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 the sick, the disease, the down, the out. I mean, he just loved them with the love of God. But now, religion recoiled against him. It recoiled against him. It did not like him. It did not want anything. He was a threat to their control. He was a threat to their control. Because that's what religion does. Religion controls you on a, uh, based on a set or on a doctrine that they feel inclusive to. You know, it, it, it's, it's just us. We're the only one that have this doctrine. We're, we're really the only ones going to heaven. Well, there's a lot of people that believe like that. I don't believe like that. I said, I don't believe like that. Listen, there are people in every denomination going to heaven. There's people that's probably never been to church going to heaven. Listen, there are anybody, the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But there, and then the more, the more, how can I say this? The more demonic it becomes, it moves into the cult realm. We have two major cults in the United States. Both, both of them based upon lies, deception, and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the strength of both ministries is occultic. You say, why? Because they manipulate, they intimidate, and they control. That's how they do it. And it's a wicked, wicked thing that they do. But there's many uh, other Christian denominations that feel we're inclusive. We're the only one. If you believe like us, if you, then you'll go to heaven. If you believe like us, then you'll get your... Well, we're not like that. I mean, one of the most spiritual people I knew was Leah's mom. And she was Catholic her whole life. She never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But the evidence of her prayers being answered were her whole lifetime as she prayed for her husband to come home from World War II, as she prayed her children through college, amen, and as she prayed over the lives of all the people that she loved and saw answers in her prayer life, and when she died, she went to heaven. No question whatsoever. I don't hope she's there. No, she's there. Amen. So you must realize the authority and love, there is a balancing act in ministry. Now, as pastors, 
You have to keep love over authority. You've got to do it. Because anytime you let authority come above love, you step into legalism. You start making up rules and regulations. Amen? You say, well, there, is there ever times when, when, when authority comes above? Yes, there is. There are times when you have to step into authority, suspend love in order to get things done in a church. You just have to do it. But you don't live in that place of authority. You live in that place of love where love stays in, where authority stays in submission to that love. And when you need to use authority, then you bring it out and use it. It's in those times where you see more, how can you say this? More attacks of the adversary against the minds of people. Because remember this, and I'll close with this. You see attacks of the adversary against the minds of people and trying try to twist your mind and how you think about a particular church or pastor in order to get you out. Everybody say out. out. Two divine institutions upon this planet belong to God. They are divine, so they belong to God. Number one and the most important is marriage. Between one man, everybody say one man, and one woman. It's a divine institution Satan hates. He hates marriage. He knows that within the confines of a marriage, God can bless the family, the, the human family can procreate, and every person that steps on the planet has the potential to be another one of those people that keeps his foot on the head of the devil. So he hates it. Number two is the church. That's the only other divine institution on the earth is the family, the human family, and the church. So he wants you out of your church and out of your marriage. He loves two things. He loves division and divorce. Everybody say division, division. and divorce, which divorces, the, the, the DI prefix is division, the dividing of a couple, a dividing of two people. We've made it very, uh, modern society makes it very, very, very convenient to divorce. Amen? And makes it very, very easy, easy, easy for there to be division in the church. You know, I don't know if you've ever noticed. When you come into a smaller town here in Texas, there's a certain denomination. I won't, make, I won't name them. But you usually will find a first and second blank, blank church. <laughs> amen? First and second. Amen? And then if you have a third, it usually has more of an independent name to it, like a free this or something like that, you know. Family, community, Christian center, all those types of things. Now, the reason you see that many times is that in a traditional church, there will rise up a family. I'm not talking about the pastor and his family. I'm talking about in the church, there will rise up a family, many times controlling the church with money. Amen. The family will grow. The sons and daughters will grow. And many times in that family, there will be a divorce. And in that divorce, we're not going to church with you no more. And we ain't going to church with you no more. So out of the divorce in the family comes a Division in the church. So they go down the road and they form another church and they get a pastoral committee to write the denomination and send them some delegates. 
You knew I know all this, amen. And what they will do is they will hire a pastor and they will start. They can't be the first. They've already got the first. So they move across town and they become the second. Amen. And sometimes you have the third, the fourth, the fifth. just depends on how long the fight goes on. Amen. <laughs> but it is the will of God in the church that there be a spirit of unity and a bond of peace. And one of the things we pray over Island Church more than anything else is for that spirit of unity and that bond of peace to be in the church. So as a Christian, as a believer that values your marriage and your church, you need to pray for your church, pray for your pastor, and declare over them the spirit of unity and the bond of peace and recognize anything that tries to come into your life and break up the unity you have with your church or the unity that you have with your family. Amen? Now, to my horror, I have seen many times when I was in the field and pastoring, people that would leave the church, not go somewhere else and become productive, but not even serve God. And in two to three years, they're divorcing. Lost their family, lost their church. Because that is the will of the adversary who comes but for what? But for to steal, kill, and destroy. But in the church, there should be what? Restoration. The restoring the bringing back to that which has been breached, a kind of a description of the word restoration, a refreshing, a healing, everybody say a healing. healing, and doing that which God requires from the Word of God in order for the church to not only be effective in what it's doing, but to raise its level of effectiveness as the church grows. Amen. Now, we've not been given the greatest slot in time to do this with. Yeah, I wish we'd have started this about 1975 myself. Amen. But I was not in any condition to start a church in 1975. <laughs> Plus, I was only 19 years old. Amen. Because 1975, 85, 95, 2005, you had the Word of Faith, Charismatic, you know, all these things that are going on. And then all of a sudden, it's like somebody just threw the brakes on. I could, I could show you scripturally why it happened, but it happened. Then all of a sudden, you had this you know, what somebody during fall harvest said, uh, what is it, 1,500 churches a week are shutting down in the United States. 1,500 a week. That means in a month there are 6,000 churches that close. That's incredible. You say, what's happening? Your adversary, the devil, is doing everything he can do to shut down churches. Shut them down, shut them down, shut them down. And literally what he's trying to do is to bring a division, just like it's going on in the nation. Look what's going on in the nation right now. There's a, such a division. There's such a divide. There's such a split. It's exactly what the adversary is trying to do in the church and what he's trying to do in families. Divorce rate is skyrocketing right now. People are divorcing right and left. And choosing not even to remarry, just to live with somebody, live in sin. But what you've got to do is make a decision you're called to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Number one, if you're married, value your marriage enough to protect it. Let me say that again. Value your marriage enough to protect it. If you're not married, then you must understand the one that sticks closer than a brother to you as one not being married is Jesus. So if you are married, one of the greatest ways to protect your marriage is to go to church. If you're not married, come to church because that's where you're protected by the Lord Jesus Christ. 
His covering of grace, His covering of protection is over you. So in conclusion, two things you need to do. Pray for the pastors constantly and pray for the church. Spirit of unity, bond of peace, all that God desires to do, that our effectiveness would be greater and greater and greater, and that as we grow, we not only become a place that begins to house and hold the harvest of God as people get saved and brought into the kingdom of God, but we also become a place of restoration where people are restored from being out of fellowship with God and come back into fellowship like we've been saying over the past couple of years. They start getting right and they start staying right. Amen. That makes it pretty simple. You love the Lord? You get something out of that? Praise God. We'll pick it up again next week and get a little more in detail and you'll, you'll like it better. Amen. Lift your hands. Father, we worship you tonight. Thank you for church. Thank you for family. Thank you for your plan, your will and your purpose. For we know it's a plan and a will that protects us and keeps us safe. We thank you for it, Father. Lord, we thank you for a spirit of blessing, restoration, Spirit of unity, bond of peace. You've given us authority. We bind the adversary in the name of Jesus. And we declare over Island Church that your grace is upon us as our faith works. That where we make mistakes, you give us mercy. And in all ways and in all areas, we be pleasing to you. Lord, as we leave tonight, we thank you for your protection, for your safety. Thank you, Heavenly Father. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. In our travels, in the righteous labor of our hands, thank you, Father, we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you for a great door of utterance. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We will be an answer to prayer, problem to the devil, miracle in somebody's life this week. Thank you, Father, as we leave tonight. We walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.